Hey, I'm John Kanan, and welcome to Let's Talk Native on this Tuesday, April 28th. 2020. While this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage and in some cases start conversations. We kind of break the rules here for Native Radio. We don't do prayers or buffalo speeches. We don't do any of the mystic stuff. Um, we talk. Uh, we take a tough look at history, oppression, and survival. We talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity. And we may step on a few toes along the way. But our real goal here is to... Uh, is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. We will take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that's heaped upon us, and we do it all right here from the Cattaraugus Territory of the Seneca Nation live. So let's talk native. But first, let me remind people that our audio streams live on our website, which is www.letstalknative.com. We stream live video of the show via Facebook Live on our group pages uh, and share it across a bunch of other pages as well. We take the audio and we put it up on SoundCloud. And uh, then it goes out as a podcast on any of your your uh, favorite podcast platforms. We take the video and we put it up on our YouTube channel, which is Let's Talk Native TV. So I encourage you to subscribe to our podcast or and or subscribe to our YouTube channels, where our YouTube channel where we we provide short form videos as well as the videos of, of the shows that we do here uh, and the show that I do in New York. So. Um, I'm John Kane. I am the show's host and producer, and I'm joined here in studio by Jake Proud, who is managing our audio and our video. Um, well, let me get into it. Let's. Uh, I guess we'll start with. Um, I, I do have a specific topic that I want to talk about in terms of education, but let's run down through some of the numbers. Over the weekend, um, the world crossed over the three million case mark for COVID nineteen. They crossed over 3 million people. Um, and they also crossed uh, the 200,000 uh, deaths mark for, for the disease. The U.S. crossed the, uh, the million uh, case mark. And now they're only a few hundred shy of 60,000 deaths. I say that, and I, and I emphasize 60,000 because that is what um, Burks and Fauci and the Trump uh, COVID task force had reduced their prediction down from between 100 to 200,000 dead to uh, 60,000. Well, that'll be reached uh, tonight or tomorrow. Um, so that doesn't mean that there aren't any more people going to die. I mean, this is this is how far off. I mean, we like I said, there hasn't really been a uh, a a multiple day decline in any of the the data, any of the numbers that that they're you know, using um, on, on any of the websites, any of the uh, any of the federal sites, any of the international sites, and you know the United States is still averaging around two thousand deaths a day. So yeah, and I also know okay, well they then they upped the sixty thousand to sixty six thousand. Well, that's going to take three days. Uh, so. Um, Today's uh, um, death total was actually the fifth largest, the fifth, high, fifth highest day since the, this whole thing began. So it's hard to suggest that uh, that the tide has been turned, and and of course now that regulations are loosening in in various places, everybody's talking about loosening regulations. I, there are some people who are violating existing regulations, and and that's already starting to show up in in some of the states you might not have expected. New York's numbers are still coming down, and they're coming down fairly dramatically. Um, 
and and I gotta say, I'm somewhat cynical. I'm 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 skeptical about some of the numbers that, that I've seen. Uh, when I start seeing New Jersey racking up higher numbers than New York, uh, you know, or, or close to it, I, look, New York is Long Island. It's New York City. It's it's upstate. It's Western New York. It's you know, I mean, it, it, it's a there's a lot of people. So I'm somewhat suspect, and and of course. That suspicion grows with um, with more and more of the mainstream media uh, bringing up some of the things that I've talked about on this show and, and my New York show about the undercounting of, of deaths and, and even cases. It's an interesting thing that's happening now because they started doing these antibody testing. And the antibody testing um, in places like California and other places, this is stuff they're doing as as random tests they aren't just testing sick people you can't extrapolate information um real any good information when you're only testing for the disease people who are trying to get into a hospital i mean because those are obviously already sick people they're all they're already people who are accustomed to going to hospitals and that kind of stuff but with the antibody test they've been they've been trying to cross you know ethnic and uh age you know sex zip code all of those things so they can so they can grab data that they can extrapolate over a larger population and in California they determined that that there may be 35 times more people that have been infected that are infected or have been infected put it that way um with with covid-19 35 times so the immediate thing that people jump to is, oh, well, if there's that many more people infected, let's just change the denominator on the deaths per, you know, over cases um, equation, and the death rate comes down to significantly. Well, the problem with that is you're, you're abandoning the number uh, of confirmed cases by test for this extrapolated number, but you're not abandoning the, um, the number of deaths per confirmed cases and and looking at a, at the larger scenario of spikes in deaths compared to uh, previous years so it isn't just the denominator that's got to change the numerator's got to change too if you're going to use something other than just confirmed tests as your input data for determining you know rate of spread um you know uh the the mortality and all that stuff so th- there's I, again i i get frustrated when i when i see a bit of a con job being pulled by by some of the people the data you know is there and and you can use that data to to make real world uh, predictions i guess but if you're if you're desperately trying to to spin this a certain way then what you're doing is, is is you're being dishonest and and or you're being ignorant because again you, what what i saw what was being done with these antibody numbers i'm thinking you're intentionally you know expanding the amount of you know cases without making any adjustment for the amount of deaths and then you're saying oh look the the, the mortality rate came down it's really it's really problematic i want to remind people that in the united states it's still less than two percent of the population that have been tested for for the disease and you know whatever whatever numbers whatever they're doing with with numbers on these antibody tests which you know i'm not i'm I, I'm glad they're doing it, and I think it, it it could if those tests are reliable, it could provide good data. It, it's uh, becoming more and more clear that the suggestion that if you have antibodies means that you are immune from catching the disease again or contracting the disease again is um, 
nobody's nobody's been able to to nail that down yet there's a pretty good indication that some people have been had multiple infections and that getting it once doesn't mean you can't get it again i mean obviously you know the common cold is is a coronavirus and i'm and this is the only comparison i'm going to make you can get the common cold several times a year so there's if you get the cold and you get over it that doesn't mean you're not going to get the cold again. It doesn't mean you're not going to get the cold again in that year. It doesn't mean you're not going to get the cold again next year. So, uh, and and this this coronavirus has some unique characteristics that that frankly the scientists haven't nailed down yet. Um, other things on the numbers. I gotta say, uh, it appears that the United Kingdom is um, is joining the European Union. No, not in the way that you think. <laughs> It appears the United Kingdom is joining the European Union in in its COVID numbers. The UK has been racking up numbers. They've they've rushed past a bunch of other countries, including China, uh, and now they they passed Germany. They are just below France and, and only barely below France in the number of cases, and they're they're barely below France in the number of uh, of, of total deaths. The um, the spread in the UK is significant enough that they may overtake. Um, France, Italy, and Spain. I, I know that seems, you know, you know, almost uh, un- unbelievable. They certainly are going to overtake France. Um, uh, right now, the UK sits at at 180. Or I'm sorry, 161,000 uh, cases. France is at uh, 165,000 cases, uh, and Italy and Spain are both over 200,000. But I mean, I tell you, when I look at the daily numbers coming out of the UK, they are moving up the list. You know who else is moving up the list? Russia. Russia is uh, is going to cross the 100,000 mark uh, probably, probably by tomorrow. Uh, so they are starting to show a, a lot of cases. Of course, their death count is unbelievably low, and I don't mean that in a, in a good way. I mean it's you know for for almost 100,000 for for 93,000 cases they're claiming that they only had um 867 deaths that is an unheard of number that is so low compared to anybody else um with those kind of numbers that to say it's unbelievable means don't believe it put it put it that way um so anyway I, I, these are some of the things that this is kind of where things are at um look i did hear a uh uh, a video uh, report done by uh, Ricky Armstrong, president of Seneca Nation, acknowledging that uh, the Seneca Nation did lose one um, one of its uh, people down in Allegheny, uh, and you know without naming names and that kind of thing. Um, and so it is the first it is the first loss of life that Seneca Nation has uh, suffered from uh, COVID nineteen. Um, they're they're still suggesting that that there's almost no spread. Um, and there are testing. I don't know that there's a lot of testing going on. We'll see how this plays out w- with time. But um, you know, th- thus far, there's only been three confirmed cases in the Seneca Nation, and of those three, one uh, one person had it pretty badly and uh, and, and didn't didn't make it. So um, my heart goes out to anybody who gets sick in general, but certainly uh, anybody who loses a family member or you know who is, who's facing you know such you know um the worst part of this disease um you know uh, again my my thoughts go go with those people um you know it's interesting i mentioned it i mentioned it uh, a couple of days ago the the other thing that ricky armstrong addressed in his um in his 
video com- or his video announcement was that um, he confirmed, no, the Seneca Nation is not buying a lacrosse team. It's not buying the um, uh, the, the Buffalo Bandits or the the, Ro- uh, the, the Rochester uh, uh, Nighthawks. They're not. So because that was a rumor that was being spread by somebody who I, I hate to even dignify, but uh, it was interesting that he that Ricky Armstrong decided that. While doing this public announcement, he he felt like it was it was important enough to 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 dash that uh, that rumor that was being spread. Um, hey, I do want to mention that on Thursday, I've got uh, Robert Henley joining me. Uh, he is a uh, a writer for Salon and for uh, an, a small a small newspaper called The Chief Leader in in New York. Um, he is somebody that I've known for a number of years. He's he's a, he's a a real good investigative journalist. He's done he's done radio on WBI, the other Pacifica stations, WNYC, and a, and, a, and a, you know a number of other stations. Um, Bob and I have not been talking on a regular basis, but he follows my work and I follow his. So we've been kind of queuing off of each other on some of the things that we've raised about, like I said, undercounting of the of the uh, of the deaths associated with this stuff. And and Bob, because he is an investigative journalist, does have the ability to to use his contacts to find out what are morticians saying, what are EMTs saying. Bob's going to join me on on my Thursday show. Um, let's talk show with with Regan uh, DeLoggins and myself on Thursday. That's at four o'clock. It's only one hour show. We're going through some fundraising stuff at, at WBI, so it won't be a two hour show, but it's, it'll be a one hour show. May not even get to callers because I think uh, Robert Henley and, and Regan and I will have plenty to talk about. So, but if you want to hear from an investigative journalist, a guy who has a lot of the context within unions and within you know um, the the political uh, figures in New Jersey and. Uh, and in New York, um, you'll want to hear this uh, th- this show. So that's Bob Henley, uh, who will be joining Regan and I uh, on Let's Talk. That's Thursday at 4 o'clock. We will be streaming it live here on, on uh, via Facebook. And, of course, it'll also stream live on uh, WBAI. Well, it'll be on the air on 99.5 on the FM dial in New York City and also on uh, via the WBAI website, which is www wbai.org you can go there and you can listen to us live there and of course it'll go up as a podcast it'll go up as a youtube video so you'll if you can't catch it live um i'll be promoting it. I, i'm i'm anticipating a very very good show with uh with bob henley so um i just want to put that out there before i forget all right um so i wanted to talk about education i mean Grade schools, elementary schools, high schools, colleges—they're—they've all—they're all wrestling with um, with distance learning, with online courses uh, because of COVID nineteen. So, you know, like I said, universities have been been doing some of this stuff for for uh, for quite some time, but certainly high schools and and grade schools haven't. And and the fact that that's happening. It is one of the good things that comes out of a, out of a crisis is what you learn. Some of the things that you learn to do, like working from home and that kind of stuff, um, you, you realize that you know this can be done, and there may be efficiencies involved in doing things this way. And and I think that's one of the things that um, is coming from the education side. Now, I'm not saying that online schooling is the uh, is the is the best answer for for trying to um, educate you know kids um, or y- young adults. I'm not saying it's the best, but here's my thing: we know that the education system has has pretty much failed most Native communities. 
And and part of it, you know, is is the fact that we don't we don't learn about native stuff. We don't, we're not just, and I just don't mean culture and language. I mean some of that stuff does does get incorporated into into curricula, but but we don't learn about the things that we need to learn at the lower levels. You know, like grade school, high school, and college that can advance our careers on our territory. We we almost gauge success for a native person on somebody who graduates and leaves leaves the territory, leaves and they go off and they and they have a successful career based on uh, on their their education and and their their course study, you know and and I understand that and so I'm not saying that education has failed individuals. What I'm saying is that that public education, private education, I mean the the U.S. educational system has not done well for native communities so and and again (laughs) give me a moment here to explain we are not teaching our own people in our own schools or, or or and we're not learning in the other schools how do we improve our communities it's just not it's just not a topic it's not even you know part of the consideration about education i mean we hear you know even high schools, but certainly we hear colleges saying we are preparing young people for the global economy. Well, I don't give a rat's ass about the global economy. And, and frank, frankly, I don't really care that much about the U.S. economy. I care about I care about our economy. I care about the commerce that exists on our ter- territory and and commerce that can be. We just take what we can in terms of com- commerce and economic development. I mean, tobacco and gas. We do that because we we were able to to defend not paying not not submitting to New York State tax. So those are two very highly taxed commodities, tobacco and gasoline. So th- those aren't the, the the perhaps the choices that we'd make on what we would want our economy to to be based upon. Gaming, that's not necessarily the choice that we would like to make. That's not the most culturally sensitive. And certainly for all of those native territories that that have themselves gotten involved in extractive industries even as many territories are fighting the extractive industries you know i'm tourism in general i'm not a hater on it um as long as we're not you know you know exploiting our our culture in a a bad way i I don't mind being involved in the in the tourism business look i don't even really mind being involved in gaming but what i'm saying is we aren't looking at what we can do with our existing territories with our relationships to other native territories with you know our young people what can we develop for the future and i mean I, I, let me let me run this one by i mean most native governments you know often called, called tribal governments are so um i, I don't know they're, they're so managed by state and federal guidelines in everything they do, including their economic uh, economic development, um, uh, you know, not just gaming, but even gaming. Look at gaming put the put the states right in uh, in the, those native businesses. So not only do we have the you know the the non native governments that have a a huge and dominant effect on what happens on our territories, but who do we hire? We hire white people, and I don't mean just white people. I mean, I, I, I don't have a problem with it. But the highest-paid people on most native territories are the, you know, are the managers of of the the, the gaming facilities, non-native. The highest-paid are the are the lawyers and the lobbyists and the consultants, the advisors. 
all non-native. And, and look, I, I've, done, I've done a couple of shows where I talked about some of the work that um, non-native consultants have done for the Seneca Nation. And you can see the gaping holes in cultural understanding when, when a guy who claims to be one of the best in the business produces an economic uh, you know, assessment you know um of the seneca nation you know what it means to the region and and all an economic impact study as they as he called it i mean some of the stuff was was just so wrong and it's not his fault he i mean i guess it's his fault if he's if he's selling himself to native people to not know native people but he's not native see we don't we don't look at um uh fostering and 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 developing our own skill sets within we don't i mean nobody tells a a kid that they could they could have a um these professional jobs where they're, where they're working for their own nation i mean look we encourage people to go become doctors and, and and lawyers but i'll tell you it isn't even that often that the lawyers uh you know find much security in working for their i mean robert porter was a lawyer and he was a you know he was a one-term president and couldn't even run for treasurer after that i mean so if you and and part of it was because the way he was educated was not geared towards really serving the the Seneca nation in in my opinion so when when i look at the needs that we have for uh, for public relations you know there's there's something i know a little bit about public relations writing um again economic impact studies uh business development and especially business development where where sovereignty or our regulatory advantages you can't hire people out there they they don't know they they don't even know how to factor in what are the the uh, economic incentives to you know to our tax advantages and we don't teach them most of the people who are in business in the seneca nation uh, private business are first generation business people i would say that a lot of them built their businesses because they saw somebody else did it they didn't know i mean i would argue today there are many people in business on native territories you know especially Haudenosaunee territories where we've taken such advantage of of tax issues they don't even know what our real defense is on on taxation they just know that we get away with it and that's problematic i mean if we don't know how to defend it if we don't know what the rationale is what the strategy is i mean somebody developed a strategy obviously and that's how you know these these businesses not only became uh profitable but they became somewhat sustainable but we don't teach this stuff we don't teach about the history we don't teach about look our kids go into in in the in their kindergarten the first thing they learn they're, they're taught to do is just pledge allegiance to the flag then they're then they're told they don't have to you don't have to but we're going to look at you funny if you don't and, and they learn the Star Spangled Banner. And they learn about George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and Abraham Lincoln. But they don't learn the stuff that they did against Native people. They don't learn about, uh, you know, the, the Sullivan campaign. They don't learn about Thomas Jefferson, you know, uh, you know screwing the Native people and buying the Louisiana Purchase so they could move everybody west of the Mississippi. They don't talk about Abraham Lincoln being the largest executioner in the history of the United States, signing the execution order for 30, the 38 Dakota to be hanged the day after Christmas. No, they don't teach that stuff. No, our kids go to these schools, and, and I don't mean just grade school and high school. College is the same thing. Look, you can hear people say on a continuous basis, well, we're American citizens too. 
We don't even teach that we have a choice in that. That, you know, yeah, we can be American citizens. The United States can't deny us citizenship. But we don't think about, but do we have to claim that? Do, do we have to accept the imposition of U.S. citizens? We don't teach that stuff. We don't think we don't teach what we don't teach about international law. We don't teach about how it is that we should have our own passports, why we should have our own travel documents. We don't teach anything about the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People. They don't teach about that stuff in school or in college. Or or what is the way to use that? We don't teach about native diplomacy. We don't teach uh, we don't t- teach about the the treachery that was involved in in not only treaty making but treaty breaking. We don't teach about our about how u.s law is used in violation of their own constitutional limits when applied to native people we don't teach any of that stuff we don't teach our we don't teach how to be diplomats how to be speakers how to be writers how to be you know we don't teach hardly any of this stuff in uh, to our young people so i'm saying if not now when why can't we Organize, you know. Look, we're going to get through this this COVID nineteen thing, and 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 not without some serious damage. I mean, I, I can't imagine what the economic impact has been on the Seneca Nation, for instance. But look, eventually the, the things will open back up, and money will start flowing, and we'll but and we'll have those battles over things like revenue sharing with the state. We'll have our battles with the federal government and 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 the state governments over what role they play in in our businesses. But we're going to rely on white people to fight those battles for us. But when we when we do get those things up and running, is it time now for us to gre- create a network of native territories, especially the you know the more affluent ones? And regardless of whether their affluence comes from 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 some you know sources that uh, that others aren't comfortable, but should we begin putting together an online? course of study and i don't mean just a bachelor program or a phd program or a you know postgraduate program i'm I'm saying core studies that we teach what we need on our territories sustainable economies you know we educate our kids about things like governance conflict resolution diplomacy all of these things that could change forever the way that we govern. I mean, let's let's teach what the Guyana Goa was in school. I mean, whatever that school looks like or means. But let's teach it in a way that even if we aren't going to be a, a Guyana Goa, uh, you know, operate under strict, you know, a, a strict interpretation of the Guyana Goa, that we at least pull some things out of that. Say, you know what? elected government doesn't accomplish what we need to accomplish there are some things that we need to do that were addressed in the Guyana Goa things like conflict resolution and and restorative justice these kinds of things so if we do some of that stuff and and we use this this rethinking of how we educate we actually educate for our future and I don't mean just the short-term future I mean, we, we begin an educational process with a strategy, you know, that may be um, somewhat different for every native territory, but, but we, we provide some foundation for some of that stuff to happen.
Uh, hey, we're at the bottom of the hour, so we'll we'll take a break and we'll come back. But but I'm not done yet here. We I got I got more to go on this subject. I I think education is something that we should be rethinking now, not just because of the of COVID nineteen or in spite of COVID nineteen, but because there is an opportunity. Uh, because so many are rethinking the delivery of education, I'm saying let's rethink delivery, but let's rethink content. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. All right, thanks for coming back. Let me uh, thank my sponsors for Let's Talk Native and and for Let's Talk in New York. Um, um, I want to thank Ross and Holly John and the RJE family of businesses uh, for not only the support that they give, but they actually provide us the 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 space. Our footprint here is uh, is in in. Uh, among one of RJE's facilities, so um, the Let's Talk Native Studios are are, are housed here, and uh, you know, and, and I got to give a lot of uh, you know a lot of props back to to Ross and Holly for their support of what we do here. I also want to thank um, uh, Grand River Enterprises and Native Wholesale Supply for support. Look, these are the two uh, entities that really, and and look with the GRE, I've got a some of that goes back to Sugar Montour. And you know, and that's you know part of the reason I have that support is from my good friend Sugar Montour, who's no longer with me, but who made a commitment—a commitment that Grand River Enterprises is fulfilling uh, in in Sugar's support for what we what we do here. But these are the these are the entities that allow us to keep doing what we're doing. And you know, Jake and I are working on some plans for not only m- more videos in the future, but uh, but even. Um, you know, improving what we're del- doing in terms of delivering the this show and and, and expanding some capability. So uh, we're always trying to you know improve what we're doing. So uh, we can't do that without the support from um, you know from a couple of sponsors and and the ones who you know sometimes are there when when we need them, um, including some individuals. I've got some friends and listeners who who make contributions from time to time and. Uh, and and again, it's it's greatly appreciated. And of course, I also pr- appreciate all of all of you who listen to the show, share the show, offer your comments. You know, the the reason we have these conversations is so they'll continue. I don't I mean, look. I'm not just trying to create a little echo chamber here. I'm hoping that some of the ideas and and, I, and I've seen some of this. I, you know, I've seen the effects of bringing up certain subjects that once they drift off. Somebody else grabs a hold of it. That's why I was talking about with Bob Henley and some of the, the mainstream media, grabbing some of the things we've talked about on this show that turn around and get covered by, you know, you know bigger, you know, bigger and, and more well-funded, uh, you know, members of the media. But, but even some of the things that we've done here, look, we, we've had impact on, you know, on various things from taxation to you know, issues with the state. Um, the floor tax with the, you know, with the federal government. Uh, um, I know that we have had impact on the conversations. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm certainly not a tail wagging the dog when it comes to Seneca Nation, but I know some of the conversations that we have had here on the gaming stuff has impacted policy, both from uh, and strategy from the Seneca Nation and from the uh, from the state. So you know, look, we're. We do. We start a conversation, and our hope is that the conversations continue. And you guys help us do that. So I, again, I want to thank you guys for for sharing the show. Um, 
encourage you to share the podcast and the YouTube videos as well. Um, this is this is the way that we try to you know. You know, whether you, we're creating earworms or whatever you want to call it, where we we start a buzz that hopefully other people take. Look, and and if you're sharing a show or if you're sharing a specific quote, then yeah, I'd like to be you know attributed to that to those quotes. But but you know what? If you take a conversation from here and and create your own, you know, I I have no problem with that. And by all means, I I just encourage people to have the conversations that need to be had. And and that's what we're doing here. So today, what you know, talk, what are we talking about here? Well, I'm, I'm I'm realizing what education has gone through with these shutdowns, um, with, with kids being at home, uh, with with college students not you know not going to campus. So what I'm wondering, you know, look, and there's a few native universities. I mean, Haskell comes to mind. I mean, but what if we created? through collaboration and uh, with with other native territories a well-funded uh institutions of higher learning that could lay some foundation on you know on how we defend certain regulatory advantages how we take our territories into a different direction in terms of you know governance and economic development um how we utilize you know many of the the articles of the UN declaration of the rights of indigenous people and 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 really go, reach out to the world to say, look, we are asserting that we have um, rights and responsibilities to our people. And that we never, you know, I, I hear a lot of these, these uh, acknowledgments that are happening. I was listening to Fiona Apple's uh, new, new uh, album uh, where they do an acknowledgment on the land acknowledgment. You know, it, it's great to say where you're from. But how do you acknowledge more than that? How do you acknowledge who we are as a people? Not just the lands that we we you know almost exclusively occupied. So I want I want to do more um, you know attribution to uh, to not only the, the you know the thousands of years uh, that you know, bring us to where we are today, but how we take some of that stuff from the past and we take it take it into the future. We need sustainability. And by sustainability, I'm not talking about a war chest. I mean, we need economies that are sustainable, not that are not just judged by the, the pro, a profit and loss statement. That quality of life becomes um, the emphasis of, of, of even our, our education. We want a higher quality of life. That doesn't necessarily mean more money. I mean, it, it can mean that, but... But even if it is more money, it's got to be sustainable. You know, one of the one of the key things is, is being able to feed ourselves. You know, I'll, I'll never understand. We were known as a people who created large food stores. Like we we had enough um, of our staple diet. You know the. Um, corn and bean and seeds uh you know the squash pumpkin seeds and, and these kinds of things the three sisters we call but but we had we had enough stores of um of food that if somebody in our in a, within our region had a bad you know had a drought or had a flood and lost crops we you know we, we had enough we had a food bank we literally had food banks in fact it's what the french and uh and george washington with the solvent campaign targeted our food banks to destroy our food because they knew we had it 
But we live in a time now that our food bank doesn't just have, I mean, it could be, it certainly could and should be the dried goods that are, that were a part of our staple diet. But we can also can goods. We can buy canned goods, but we, but we can also can some things. And, and we, we can have warehouses full of enough food that if, if anything disaster should happen, like COVID-19, if people don't, you know, look, the biggest problem with not being able to go out and work is to make sure that you can feed your families. That's sustainability. But I'm not just saying we, we live our lives to, um, in anticipation of crisis. But we do, I mean, look, we are the people who, who, um, who gave life to the concept of seven generations, making decisions today that will, for one, leave no negative impact seven generations from now, but quite to the contrary, will have, will have positive impact. So we plan for the future. I'm not saying we don't live for the moment. Sure we do. Sure we do. But we plan for the future. And we try to make sure that we do nothing detrimental to the future generations, including the generations that we'll never see. This is the concept of seven generations. But we don't teach that in school. We don't teach what it would mean practically to apply a longer vision, a, a long game. I, look, when you go to business school, you're teaching people how to, it's all about short game. I mean that's what that's what it is. I mean, look, the, the business models are you 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 um, develop a product or service that you uh, that has you know uh, appeal across you know you know global reaches, right? And and you market that, and you create a profit and loss, and and then once you you manage you know to, to have you know show profitability, you do a, a initial public offering, and you sell you know a portion of that, and you raise more money with that. So you sell you know a small portion, a minority share of your business, and then you um uh, and then you grow the business out, and then you maybe sell another minority share, and then you then you sell. So you get two or three bites of the apple of this great idea that you developed, and that. That's what they teach you in business school. How to enter the, the, the global market and, and the marketing of your idea and selling it right out. Look, every time I listen to one of these shows on NPR about, you know, um, how they made it. I don't know. There's a show. I can't think of the name of it. But, it's, uh, yeah, um, but it talks about how these companies, just, almost every one of them ultimately sell a thing out. They sell it to Microsoft. They sell it to you know, uh, you know, to, to Gates, or you know, they, they sell it to you know some big you know multinational. Yeah, how I built this. Yeah, that's what it is. I mean, every time so I watch, it, and almost every one of them sell it out. In the old days of America, you used to see companies that would put their family name on the company, and then they would put, and I know it's 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 gender biased. They put and sons. It would always be such and such and sons, not daughters, and you know, and, and I'm not I'm not advocating the, the 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 gender bias, but but the point was that they would build a company that would have that would be generationally kept in the family. That's not the plan anymore. The plan is to build something that can have brand appeal, so you can build that brand up and then sell it. That's not. I don't want to teach that to our kids. I mean, look, we can make our kids aware of what that of that that what that is because, and they have to be aware of it because those are going to be the sharks that are at our door, the wolves that are at our door. Sharks don't come to the door; wolves come to the door. Uh, <laughs> unless you live in a houseboat, but <laughs> so, but no. I mean, we need to teach our 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 kids how to build something 
that isn't just um, going to cater to a passing trend. That, or if it is going to cater to a tra- passing trend, you you build it for that with the idea that it, that it's a stepping stone, that it that that it is the path to something else. It's the the lost leader, if you will. It's the you know it's the the means to justify an end, so to speak. I, cause I and I don't have a problem with that. Look, I don't begrudge tobacco sales and uh, and gas sales or gaming, but I would like to think that we have more to offer our own people more than gas, gaming, and cigarettes. And I'm I'm not I'm not a big fan of cigarette smoking, so you know. But you know, I understand that it's that it's an important part of the economy. And look, the people who who sponsor the show are involved in in tobacco, so I'm I'm not begrudging it. But those you know, even those in, uh, people are are diversifying. They're trying something else. They're all everybody's trying to do something else. They they know what brought them to the to a dance. But when does the uh, when do the, the the governments, the native governments, understand that? programmatically they have got to take a a bigger role in planning for the future not just trying to expand the bottom line to pay for programs i mean if you, and there's no sense in paying for programs if the programs themselves are not geared towards sustainability so this is you know this is my ask this is is the conversation that i want to have about expanding the notion of education that we don't just try to get law degrees and, and, and um, you know, and medical degrees and, you know, uh, you know the PhD, you know. I, look, I would love to, uh, to be a philosopher, but I would love to see a philosopher who, whose real uh, uh, basis is, come, or the, their foundation is, is from, from native philosophy. And look, and I see people market that stuff. You know, uh, look, I watched uh, Last Dance with, uh, you know, the Chicago Bulls, right? They talk about Phil Jackson and how much he, he grabbed in Native, um, you know, spirituality and, and ideology into his, you know, moments of Zen and all. And all. Hey, look, but the hell with the white guys doing it. I'm saying, what are we doing? What do we take from our culture, from our language? I'm not a spiritual person. I'm not going to get into the whole notion of spirituality. But what do we take from 10,000 years of development as a people that brings us to the place now, in spite of what's happened over the last 500? We, but, but, we, but we still exist. Not all of our people survived that. Not all of our people have survived colonization, but we as a people have. So how do we take what our ancestors provided to us and carry it into the future because i'm seeing less and less of it folks i'm seeing less and less of anything that helps define us as native people because casinos don't i mean it provides much needed revenue i granted it does until it doesn't see i'm saying we need to create some things that insulate us from the economic crises that the United States are definitely going to see. I mean, look, some people are calling this the the fall of the empire. And it may be the start of it. I mean, if there's one thing that COVID-19 has demonstrated is the failure of, of not just U.S. capitalism, but global capitalism. So we're seeing, 
and and we haven't felt the impact the impact of what's what what has happened to the economy in the United States we're we're not feeling it yet you think you're feeling it no you're you're feeling cabin fever right now you're not feeling the economic fallout of of the government just printing more money or throwing more money electronically into your account and what what that all is going to mean you you don't understand what what collapse could really look like this is an economic collapse not yet but what could we do i mean in the short term it's going to be hard to prepare for for major calamity but i'm just saying at what point do we start to lay the foundation for the long term what point do we start being those people who think seven generations because we're we aren't and like i said with every passing year the the growing dependency and i don't mean dependency on, on state and federal government but i'm saying dependency on the system that they, that they're they've created the capitalist system we're all in it we're all in it so how can we begin to reduce look one of the first things that people think of and and, and i'm glad there is a program at the Seneca nation and i'm glad individuals do this in spite of you know or with with or without uh, or in spite of a uh, Nation program agriculture growing food but we're not doing it at a scale that 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 can really save us so when i talk about food banks it wouldn't it honestly would not take much i mean even as individuals to to store enough food to to feed yourself for six months i mean look metal cans i mean i'm not suggesting that's the best way to eat but if you had to i mean we we have freezers we have you know we've got pantries you can you can fill those things up I mean, it wasn't until this stuff started happening that, that I started buying enough food that would last me. I mean, look, I used to just buy, when I'm hungry, I'm going to go buy something and eat it. But if you start planning ahead, now you start planning ahead with gardens. You start planning ahead with, with storing food for the future. And you store it in a way that you don't have to, you know, the expiration dates don't matter. You know, that, that's what I'm talking about here. That is a way to plan for the future. And and when I talk about economies, I'm not just talking about economies that are that are cash based or monetary based. I, you know, I'm not just talking about bartering. But is there a different way? Can we reduce our cost of living in terms of cost in dollars and cents? Can we live a higher quality of life for less dollars? You know, I, I've talked about this before. I mean, I've talked about the, the idea that one of the things that unions did for the United States was uh, demand a high enough wage for workers um, rather than management and ownership um, that that they could uh, they could live off of working forty hours a week. I'm sorry, but that doesn't exist anymore. You cannot have a single earner working forty hours a week. In, in the, at least not for the average family and support that family on 40 hours a week you've got to have mom pop and and two or two or three of the kids out there working to uh you know to cover their own needs and you're not working 40 hours a week you're probably working 50 60 70 hours a week so today people are living worse lives than they were 30 40 years ago when i was a kid growing up my dad worked he was a high steel worker. He earned enough money to, that we could live decent lives without my mother having to go out and work. That doesn't exist anymore. 
So that's how much the 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 economy is degraded. I mean, in my in my lifetime. Now, many of you who are much younger than me may not even put these things in, into its proper perspective. Honestly, we shouldn't be working seventy hours a week. You know, to you know, two incomes working 60, 70 hours a week to to support a family. We should be. You would think in the evolution of man and efficiency and you know you know civilization as they claim why aren't we working 20 hours a week and spending more quality time with our homes with our families with our community that doesn't exist in the in the american model but it could exist in ours but we have to make that choice can we envision our world where our need for currency, you know, cash, money, is diminished enough that we provide products and services to each other that in a, in a different kind of ecosystem, I guess, that doesn't require us to have $1,000 a week coming in or $500 a week coming in. Can we, can we even imagine that? Well, if we can't, if we can't imagine it, we can't teach it. So what I'm suggesting here, because we there is a pivotal point in time, because, you know, because of this, this pandemic, it's making people rethink about the delivery of services. But we're not, we're not rethinking the content of those services, especially when it comes to education. So... This is what I'm throwing out there. And I'm not suggesting I have the answers. But at least this should be a conversation. And it's a conversation that we should be getting. Look, there's been talk about doing our own schools. There's been talk about doing homeschools. I'm not necessarily a big fan of, 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 of homeschools that don't allow, allow our kids to interact and have the social interaction, including the sports and the, and the theater and the, and the arts and the music and all of, all of those creative things. So I think we need that. But what I was thinking about in terms of the distance learning and the um, the notion of creating um, online, you know, content and delivery of online content, um, I'm thinking about taking it to the next level. When when we want to learn, look, and I'm not just talking about a degree here. I mean, maybe you get certified in, in installing solar panels for crying out loud. Whatever it is, I mean, how do you know, how do we create you know microgrids within our territories? We're not teaching. We we don't teach that stuff. So not just the you know the you know the stuff that people think about in terms of academia, but in terms of you know uh, uh, vocational stuff. Uh, rethinking what a home is, what a community is, how we get power, how we you know how independent is are are, are we in 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 the pursuit of our lives. There are any number of things that I could see there being course study involved in. And I'm not pulling away from mathematics or science. I was asked the question, you know, do, do we have scientists? I, you know, we do. I mean, I, I know, you know, one of the, the, the kids that went to, uh, kids, <laughs> she's a grown now. One of the, uh, the women who went to school with, when my daughter did, she went down to, into, to Texas and she was involved with um um, some of these nanocarbon. Uh, he was working in a lab, and in in a, in a, so yeah, we have scientists. 
But we don't have scientists working on the science that we need back home. I, and I'm not suggesting that you know, that, that science for you know, uh, n- nanocarbon particles um, doesn't eventually make it to, you know, to, to issues that affect us. But computer sciences, I mean, medical sciences, you know, look, I'm not saying that we're going to develop the next vaccine, but if, at least if we could do the research, if we had researchers who could, you know, you know, wrap their head around some of the information that is associated with some of our underlying conditions so we can come up with preventative strategies. I'm, by all means, study to become a doctor. But you know what? Maybe we need to rethink some of the, I, I don't want to just say holistic because you know that that has a sense that has a hocus pocus sense to it for many people, but we need to think about the alternatives to what um, the the textbook treatment is for for because you know what some of the textbook treatment is wrong, and it's also wrong for who we are. The way native people process insulin is different than the way non-native people do. And, and part of it has to do with, with evolutionary development and the fact that, you know, our evolution was tied to a different kind of diet in, in, in a different region. Look, I realize that we've been intermingling with, uh, you know, with Europeans and, you know, and people from all over the continent for, you know, half a, you know, half a millennia. But that doesn't mean that our bodies, after thousands and thousands of years of doing certain things a certain way, have, have fully adjusted to that. I mean, that's why, you know, Native people... Uh, the idea of consuming sugar the way sugar is consumed that's that's not a, a thousand years of that that's not a, a 500 years of that that's that's 50 years of of you know gross amounts of sugar consumption the fact that native people are lactose intolerant uh, maybe the idea of drinking cow's milk doesn't make sense maybe cows shouldn't be raised to create this entire infrastructure of of dairy commerce I like cheese. I'm not a big fan of milk, but I like cheese. I know shredded cheese on top of my Indian taco with fry bread. No, yeah, I, but I like I like cheese. But maybe we don't need. Maybe the you know the United States shouldn't be filled with dairy farms. Maybe instead of growing corn to feed cows to produce milk, maybe our farmers should be growing stuff that we eat directly. I mean, this gets into the whole idea of what is the size of the carbon footprint to create the nutritional needs that we have, even on the protein side. You know, chicken, fish, um, beef, pork. What? How can we get the protein? We can get more protein out of uh, out of vegetables than we can out of meats. Even a part of our natural, you know, our our traditional diet, beans. So. You know, again, there, there has to be a rethinking of all this stuff. I mean, even when we hire nutritionalists, are we doing an, a proper evaluation of what our diets traditionally would be doing would have been? So, when we offer nutrition advice on a native territory, do we consider the culture when we do it, or are we just taking you know the food triangle that somebody gave us, the the, you know, the, the food groups, because they do vary depending on your your DNA. So this is what I'm saying. There are entire areas of study that could be specifically geared towards our needs. 
Look, even when we do, I, I saw the Senate Nation did one of those needs assessment things. And, and you could tell it was textbook out of some, you know, some advisor or consultant, you know, said, well, this is how we do a needs assessment. We even have to have a white person tell us how to determine what our needs are. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm talking about here. And, and maybe we do today. Maybe we do need a white person to run the casino. Maybe we do need a white person to be our legal counsel. I'm not saying we do. I'm saying maybe we do today. But do we need that tomorrow? Do we need, can't we develop some of the skill sets that, that even the cottage industries that should support our community, our governments, you know, again, our needs, our needs assessment. Look, all the talk about cannabis I would like to learn more about you know, what we do with hemp products and, and the cottage industries that come from those kinds of things. That would be, maybe it's not part of our culture, unless you're Tuscarora, because Tuscarora, that's what they're named for, for se separating the hemp. That's what a Tuscarora means, right? Look, that's all I'm suggesting. We need to rethink. We need to rethink what we do in terms of education. And if not now, when? Look, I'm just about out of time. So, <laughs> so some shows I've tried to figure out how I stretch it out for the last five minutes. Now I'm trying to figure out how to shut up. So I'm just going to do it. I want to thank you guys for listening. And, uh, you know, catch us on Thursday for Let's Talk. i got Bob Henley and Regan DeLoggins. Um, and uh, then we'll see you back here on Saturday. Yahweh.